0: Online On Radio Player and on 106.6 FM This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show During an international break You might think, well, that's all very well and everything But uh, uh, what have you got in store for us? Well, uh, Bob and myself have uh, a pretty packed hour, I must say yeah, it's going to be a very good one uh, Just, you know, don't be
1: tempted to go and watch England against San Marino <laughs> No, no, this will be much better entertainment, I imagine Definitely, definitely, you know San Marino, it's, it, 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 I find it slightly annoying it's, You know, it's like England playing Marlowe, what, what is the point really? <laughs> I think some of them are sort of plumbers, aren't they? Things like. yeah, well, I think they all are, aren't they? Pretty much <laughs> You know, no, no disrespect
0: to San Marino and I apologize no, no. if
1: you are a San Marino fan But, <laughs> uh, but yes, it, you know, it
0: it's a bit of a non-event really absolutely so yes listen to this show because there's lots to look forward to including uh, Gareth uh, Ainsworth not Southgate's thoughts on the (laughs) draw draw definitely draw wasn't it against Coventry I've had some stick today because there's been an error uh, recently, yes. with the, was it? <laughs> yes, with well, the you know,
1: it, it, look, uh, it was fair enough. You know, we we hadn't done very well against Coventry previously, um, and also it wasn't exactly the most exciting game. So the fact that you thought that we lost to them, I think we'll forgive you.
0: Later on, I thought we've got a
1: surprise appearance from a former Wickham Wanderers player. Tell us more. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will be speaking to, or I spoke earlier on, I should say, to Dion Dublin. Um, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> of course, very strange. I was speaking to him about fraud. Of course, um, yes. yes, yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> as you, you would. To speak about fraud, you know, you, you'd think, well, who should I speak to? You know, should I speak to like the you know commissioner of the Met Police? No, no, I'll speak to Dion Dublin. <laughs> um, anyway, I did have a short chat to him about Wicked Wanderers. So we, we, we'll be playing that bit of the interview. Don't worry, you won't have to sit through the fraud bit.
0: <laughs> no, but, but that is available on the Listen Again feature on the website yes. for this morning's yeah. mid morning. If you'd like to hear it was Dion's, Dion's, good. He was Dion's fraud, fraud thoughts he was don't fall for any scams listen to Dion Dublin also coming up this hour we'll hear the thoughts and memories of long serving uh, former Wickham Wanderers physio David Jones it was uh, fantastic to speak to him and uh, get his thoughts on over 20 years at the club very much looking forward to uh, uh, to that not least because I've heard it already
1: yeah, no, looking forward to, to that very much. Uh, and we will also be talking uh, about the, the worrying news uh, with regards to the bookmakers uh, and the next manager of Preston North
0: End. And a practice game as well to reflect on from today. And we'll look at some of the uh, Wiccan Wanderers players who are on international duty, slash have been uh, on international duty as well. But first, we best reflect on, on a point against Coventry, which uh, on reflection uh, seems like a pretty decent result. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the fact that actually the the last time we'd beaten Coventry
1: uh, was way back when in the League Cup, uh, where when actually we we came close. If you if you remember that that game um, when Premier League Coventry came to Adams Park uh, and we went three nil up um, uh, in the in the uh, first half in the second leg uh, and looked like we might pull off an unlikely victory, uh, but but no, it didn't happen in the end. Since then. We've not beaten or even got a draw against Coventry in nine meetings. Uh, But finally, on Saturday, the 10th meeting, um, yes, we actually managed to get a point. Uh, It wasn't a particularly exciting game, but even so, it's a point that we will take, even though we really could have done with all three.
0: Because I'm sure many do follow your, your Twitter updates on a Saturday slash Tuesday slash Wednesday sometimes, uh, and, and it was interesting that your kind of thoughts on, on, well, especially on what Gareth was bearing, it's important that we, we get that up to date as well, as, is, <laughs> his attire is important, uh, but also how, how we can start a game, I think, is quite key, and and seems to start pretty well. Uh, yes they did um, yes yeah, so with regards to
1: my, my Twitter updates uh, if people wonder about them I, I am very much aware that actually the sort of the club do update uh, via Twitter and there's, there's various other people that you can follow that will give you a very uh, accurate um, description of the game so I try to go for something slightly <laughs> more alternative which is why occasionally then I do comment on what Gareth's wearing um, because uh, not least because I think actually it's always quite a good indicator because he clearly is quite a superstitious guy so you can sort of tell what, what he's thinking um, you yeah you know we haven't seen the 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 dragon skin boots for a while um but you, you know that again that's always a bit of a, a bit of an indicator um yeah i you know it the, the game against Coventry, um, really, I think probably they must have gone in at half time wondering how on earth it was still nil nil because actually, you know, they, they definitely had the better of the first half um, and certainly the Hearts were in mouths uh, a, a good few times. Um, I think really we only had one notable chance that that, <laughs> that I wrote down on my notes, uh, which was a, a Joe Jacobson free kick surprise, surprise, fi- finding Ryan Tavazzoli um, and uh, Admiral Masque in the end, uh, his shot was blocked by Coventry. Um, but in the second, second half, we were much, much better. Anis Mometti was really good in the second half, caused lots and lots of problems. Um, and so it was a real surprise that actually Gareth Ainsworth was decided to take Anis off after 70 minutes. Fred came on, and to be fair, Fred Fred actually continued um, in the role that, that Anis had created, and did continue to play really, really well. But even so, you couldn't then help really thinking, well, actually, we could have maybe had Anis and Fred on at the same time. Uh, you know, really, I was feeling that Anis was our best player, and so it was a surprise to see that he was substituted. Uh, you know I I, I am a, a complete um, you know in Gareth we trust and whatever but I, I felt it was a curious decision uh, to take Anis off on Saturday when really we really did need all three points
0: well, We've said this before as well though but whenever you see a team sheet you do think we're so lucky with the attacking players that we have both, yeah. both in the starting line-up and also on the bench as well
1: yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's been amazing, our bench, uh, this year. And you look at it, you know, and the fact we're now allowed to have nine players on the bench, you, you just look at it and you almost think, blimey, that, that's a team that, you know, that, that would be a, a decent team. Um, certainly going forward anyway. Um, and, you know, so, so was the case again on Saturday. Um, the fact that, you know, that we're able to then bring on Daryl Horgan, Gareth McCleary, we brought on Bayo as well. Um, you know, there there are goals in that side and, Particularly, somebody like Bayo. You know, if you're a defender, um, and you know you you've given your all for eighty minutes, and then you see Bayo coming on, you're you're really you're not going to be best pleased. You're you're going to be thinking, oh goodness me, you know th- this is going to be another 10, 15 minutes of of hassle and having to be at my absolute best.
0: And who else kind of really stood out for you in terms of uh, Wigan players? Again, uh, great to have uh, Mister Stockdale in goal, who's, who's who's been doing really well, obviously another yeah. clean sheet.
1: Yeah, another clean sheet and definitely saved us a good few times in the first half in particular. Um, you know, he, he did really, really well. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's been curious this season with regards to the goalkeepers, hasn't it? You know, because it would, before Ryan Alsop got injured, we were saying, you know, goodness me, definitely Ryan Alsop, player of the season, no doubt about it whatsoever. And David Stockdale came in and, you know, and has, has played as well, if not better than Ryan Alsop. Um, and so you slightly think with regards to, well, player of the season, you know, could we have position of the season? Um, because definitely the the goalkeepers have been absolutely fantastic
0: you could literally work yourself work work your way through the team couldn't you and just pick out every game really there's there's so many of them that, that, that do so well and obviously give so much to a game as well
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and again, that's, you know, that's why it's so frustrating to, to be where we are um, in the table um, and thinking, well, now we've only got eight games to save ourselves because I know we've said it time and again on this program, you know, the performances have been better than the results and the performances have deserved better results. I, I you know, I know that that's pointless. I know that, you know, it's not figure skating, for example. You don't get points for artistic merit or for effort, but it's very much not been the case that actually you know every game we've looked at it and we thought oh goodness me you know we just weren't in that today um it hasn't been like that at all you know I think two games out of the 38 that we've played so far you could say well yeah we you know we weren't really in that um and and all the others you know the the players have given their absolute all and i can completely understand why you know after most games gareth is still saying the same thing and i know he gets a bit of stick for it on social media on twitter and things but you know when he says proud of the the lads, you can completely understand why he's saying that because they have performed, you know. I think to to the best of their ability.
0: I must commend you as well on the inclusion of the uh, the expression of figure skating. I think we should. <laughs> try and get more sport mentions on the on the show each week yeah, yeah okay I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do between now and 8 o'clock figure skating love it and let's get Gareth's thoughts He spoke to the media after the game
2: I mean he's a good side you know it's, they've, they've got some good players in their team um, and coming here the pitch wasn't great for football which I'm sure is affecting Mark at the moment you know he likes to play just lads gave him the best you know just a little bit of quality at times um, but I think we restricted Coventry's quality as well so you know gave him a few chances but um usually a point away from home in the championship and a clean sheet is, is brilliant um but we need wins, and uh, and we were trying to go for it at the end. You know, set plays, just that little moment of quality at the end. But listen, my boys gave me everything. How how can I be disappointed with that? You know, it's uh, it's tough in this league. But we go again on uh, on Good Friday against Blackburn. We've got a rest now. But please please with the efforts as always. Yeah, given where you've come from, is it unrealistic to, to expect you to sort of take the game to the side like coventry or do you think you could say a bit more? <laughs> to anyone in this league, you know, to 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 try and dominate possession and, and take the game to people is is tough for us, you know. I think that there has to be a, a mini revolution in, in in the way we play and the players we bring in and that and, and that, you know, obviously. It's uh it's finances and, and things. But I've got an un- unbelievable honors. Uh Rob Coig, Pete Cooig, Missy Cooig, you know they're they're right behind this this whole revolution here that we're gonna try and do and, and we've got a long term plan to To either stay in this league or definitely come back to this league, and uh, and again, I'm I'm really positive. It's not over yet. No chance. Uh, We we're still going to be battling hard, you know. And and who says we can't win every game we've got left? You know, these things do happen. Just didn't stick it in the net today. Some great positives again. But um, nice. It's it's a nil-nil away from home. It's getting better against Coventry. Don't usually get anything out of these lots. So um, I'm taking that as a positive.
0: A point against Coventry. It's got to be good, hasn't it? It's got to be good, hasn't it? That's you can
1: progress. always tell when he's speaking to a local reporter, can't <laughs> uh, you? Know, uh, is it unrealistic for you to take the game to a side like Coventry? Uh, that, 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 sorry, it's the table upside down or something. Uh, you know, Coventry <laughs> down the bottom. You know, If he was from Norwich, well, fair
0: enough. Gareth <laughs> uh, sort of laughed there, didn't he? It's sort of like you haven't seen us play before, have you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh,
0: dear, oh dear. But the style of play obviously is something that, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, many other teams look at as well and think, or, or Gareth is quite proud of as well, that, 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 we can make it difficult for other teams to play against us.
1: Yeah, completely. And, you know, and we did do that against Coventry. Um, and yes, you know, we, we've got this millstone slightly around our neck that says that actually, you know, we, we never, we never even get a point against Coventry. Well, luckily that's now, now gone. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we, we performed, um, as well as we possibly could have done, I think, particularly in the second half. I think for first half performance, yes, I'm sure there were a few words said at half time. Um but yes, second half, you know, absolutely fine. Could have you know, could have easily snuck it at the end. Fred had a few opportunities um in the last ten minutes to to win it for Wickham. And, you know, and goodness me, had that happened, you know, we we certainly would have been ignoring the 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 slightly boring nature of the game and the fact that Coventry definitely had more chances in the first half than us.
0: I'm really interested in that Gareth talking up this this long term plan to either stay in the division or at least you know return to it as well yeah yeah
1: i mean that's you know that is really good and sounds realistic uh if we could become a side say like rotherham that actually yes you know does does start bouncing between the two divisions well you know absolutely fine because eventually you will hopefully have a good enough squad and you will hopefully make enough money to actually be able to put in a you know a a decent shot at surviving in the championship um again i think you have to just think of actually the resources that some of the teams and this doesn't really apply to coventry but you know some of the other teams that we face this season where there's millions and millions of pounds you know on display um on, on the, of the opposition and you know we haven't got anything like that and it's to, to gareth and to the kuhigs absolute credit that we've managed to uh, gets the you know the decent players that we have this season um you know we we do probably have the best team that Wigan Wanderers has ever had um in their history currently um in the squad um and let's just Keep our fingers crossed that actually, you know, ne- next season, yeah, we we can keep a lot of those players. Um, I I think you know it's only realistic, particularly players like Anis Mometi probably that that will keep them for another season, um, unless we do happen to go up. So let's let's make the absolute best of them um, and ensure that actually next season we do go up, uh, preferably automatically uh, from League One. Uh, special mention
0: to Pete who's whose uh, birthday is a happy Happy birthday is. Yes. Oh, really yes. interesting as well that you're saying about it's important because you, you do feel like that the, the club is really building something in the players that we have, so it'd be fantastic to be able to, to keep hold of them as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that with the the loan players as well, you know, it would be really good if, if we've, uh, as I'm sure we have, you know, we've looked after players such as Josh Knight, you know, if, if Leicester fancied allowing him to, you know, to, to come back and be with us for another season, that would be fantastic. I, I don't know whether that will happen. The fact that he's obviously been on loan in the championship this season, I would imagine that they'll want him to stay at that level. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think the great thing about Wickham is that actually clearly they are a family club they do look after the players when they come we know that just the, the number of players that actually have returned to Adams Park um, you know who clearly left and then realised what a great place it is um, so you never know hopefully a player like Josh Knight may well um, hang around um, you know if, if Brendan Rodgers is kind enough to, to allow him
0: and something else which is a nice perk I, I think is the right word of being in the Championship is is having the international break off which is something which has not, not been Experience before and to have internationals on international duty as well
1: yes i mean uh, you know that is a bit of a surprise isn't it i mean i'm i'm not particularly a fan of the international break particularly when england are playing teams like san marino because that's not exactly something <laughs> that you get particularly excited about but it's a perk of being in the championship and just like the fact that we haven't had to play this year in the Papa Johns leasing.com checker trade whatever it's called um you know let, let's enjoy all of those little perks
0: Really nice to see uh Horgan uh, in, in representing the Republic of Ireland, although he didn't actually um feature last night but um and also uh, great news for another young Wiccan player.
1: Yeah, so, so Andre Burley, uh, was, was, um, become the ninth chairboy, uh, to be capped. Um, so he played for St. Kitts and Nevis, um, who, uh, play in the CONCACAF region, which is basically the, the North American, uh, and Caribbean region, uh, of football. Uh, so they beat Puerto Rico 1-0 last night, which, which actually I thought was a bit of a surprise, but actually it turns out it isn't because they've got a much better FIFA ranking than Puerto Rico. At least they weren't playing San Marino. Thought... No, no. Well, they, you know, they probably would have beaten them as well, I expect.
0: <laughs> (laughs) And we heard a couple of weeks ago with Mark Rogers talking about his pride about being on the board, um, not the board of directors, but the board at Adams Park of, of internationals.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic for the club that actually that we are getting these internationals. Um, you know, and particularly Daryl Horgan, you know, very impressive. The fact that he's playing for the Republic of Ireland, uh, and, and Wickham. Um, and you know, w- when we're talking about players hanging about again, he, he's one of those ones that we're definitely meaning. Um, you know, and has obviously played for the Republic of Ireland. Yes, he was an unused substitute last night when they lost to Serbia.
0: Maybe that's why they lost. <laughs> it could be could have influenced them in that way definitely yeah yeah still to come on this week's Wickham Wanderers show we'll hear from Dion Dublin surprise Uh, (laughs) ex-Wickham Wanderers player will reflect on this afternoon's practice match and we'll hear from uh, long-serving former Wickham Wanderers physio next this is Wickham Sound Welcome back to the second half of the Wickham Wanderers show. Uh, If you're a a regular listener, you'll know that uh, we teamed up with the Wickham Wanderers ex-Players Association to bring you uh, each week, uh, without fail, pretty much. There was a week, we nearly failed. But um, this week, uh, no no exception, an international break, a bit of a treat for you. Uh, I've been speaking to uh, someone who spent over 20 years at the club. Uh, David Jones was uh, the club's physio, worked with so many players, and uh, I've been speaking to him about his uh, memories uh, at the club, uh, starting off with... uh, how he very first started.
3: I was working um, in uh, a local village team, Kidlington, um, and they were in the Hellenic League at the time. I'd had to stop playing because of a, a very nasty back problem. And um, I then became the therapist and looked after the players. And um, David Burgess called me one day he was playing at wickham and uh, he would come and see me to save him travelling over to wickham if he had injuries and uh, he rang me to say that shay the therapist who was looking after the team at the time was having a bit of difficulty because they'd moved into the conference and to getting some time off and could I cover some of the games so i remember jumping on the bus one day and we went up to kidderminster harriers and kim casey just ran riot that day She carried on running and working with the club and then decided that um, he was calling it a day. And so I got a phone call from David Burgess again, asked if I was interested in working for the club in a part-time basis. And I gleefully accepted the offer. It was an amazing, amazing football club. So uh, I came over and worked with Alan Gain, had a meeting with Alan Gain, and we got on absolutely brilliantly. And um, it was the start of something that... uh, I will never, ever forget. It was a, a fantastic time.
0: What were your first impressions when you arrived at the club and that's sort of the job that
3: needed doing? <laughs> oh, it was, it, it. I was in awe of everything, to be perfectly frank with you. And it was just a brilliantly structured club right from the top to the bottom. It was fantastic. And the players that we had at the time, suddenly Noel Ashford arrived and Keith Barrett arrived. And so... Was dealing with really, really high quality players, and it, it was just, it was awesome. And I learned so much, which was great.
0: And of course, people forget, or will not forget, but but perhaps don't realise or appreciate that obviously they, these are uh, non-league, obviously at this time, and, and part-time players as well. And it must have been quite a quite a job to kind of maintain the players in that at that time.
3: Oh, it was it was incredible. And when you think about the players, particularly even you know when we were in the conference and we were travelling we would very often um, leave at two o'clock in the afternoon to get up to Manchester somewhere to play um, Altrincham or somewhere like that on a, on a Tuesday evening. And the boys would have worked. They'd got up at seven o'clock in the morning, gone to do their normal job. Then we would have picked them up on route. We would play the game against Altrincham and then they would be getting home at one or two o'clock in the morning. And then they'd have to be back at work the following morning. And, um, Those players, you know, it was incredible. I can remember in the latter stages when we got promoted from the conference with Martin O'Neill's team and we played on the Saturday. We flew on the Sunday to Gateshead. We had played on the Thursday night previously to that. So we'd played, I think it was Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. (laughs) And... The players were just getting time off work and adjusting their family lives so that they could just play those games. But it was, it was an incredible, incredible time.
0: And what was it like working with the different managers? Because that must have been quite, quite sort of something you had to adjust to in a way.
3: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we, um, I I've, I've saw uh, lots of managers, and I have to say they were all great. And you have to learn to understand the manager. That's the. The incredible thing about it Il, is, that, is people find it it's managers come in and people are at the football club and you've got to learn how to work with a manager and if it doesn't work out then you just have to move on and um, I was very very fortunate I worked with all the, the managers and I really enjoyed working with them as well.
0: There must be as well such a lot of pressure on your kind of role because the manager will want you to get if a player's out injured they want you to get them back to fitness as quickly as possible and, and you'll be saying to them all not can't, can't really rush them back or there's only so much you can do And but it, on the other hand it must be really rewarding when you know you, you can help a
3: player back to, to full fitness. I mean at the end of the day the manager's paid to get results for the team the team he builds, he's got all his assets, he wants all his assets on the pitch, the the football club wants all their assets on the pitch. And so you're busy trying to balance all of that out because sometimes, you know, you could have a player that was very nearly ready to play but hadn't trained. And then it was always a gamble. You never knew whether they were going to get through that game and whether you'd would, they would be set back. So, you know, sometimes it's not sometimes how quickly you get them back, but it's how long they stay back after they've returned back to playing. And that was always my philosophy. Sometimes just you have to be a little bit slower getting them there, but once they go back, you know that they're not going to break down.
0: And I guess especially challenging must be dealing with players with especially long-term injuries, not just their physical, but also the, the kind of mental side of it as well.
3: Oh, it's, it's um, the mental side of it is um, is incredibly powerful. But what's very f- interesting with the footballers is that there's a tremendous camaraderie in the changing room with them. And when players get injured, it's just not the only, the player isn't the only person who is, is upset. It's the whole team feels for that player. And so they sort of create a a bubble around them and try and support the players as they get, uh, as when, when they become injured and they start to, uh, to go through their recovery process. One of the things that um, when I started and particularly, Once we moved down to Adams Park, we had the lovely facility that um, Monty Seymour helped put some money in so we could have a gym and we had some exercise bikes and things like that. So what I always tried to do was to do a little bit of a fitness session with the players, probably lasting up to an hour where they would do different exercises. But it was always a little bit competitive. I learned that off a good friend of mine and a mentor who set up um, Lillishall, the rehab centre many years ago. And by getting the players to do all their exercises together and work together, doing a fitness program within inside that structure seemed to keep the injured players together. And it helped them through rather than each one of them just running their own little individual exercise program. We would always have a collective process at the end where there would be uh, a good heart pumping session of exercise and it was competitive so everybody was trying to push themselves along and it was and i felt that was a very very important component in the rehabilitation processes that i used to follow
0: you mentioned the facilities that must have been something which really boosted your work as as you sort of progressed really because you say that about the switch from lokes park to adams park and and working with the the sports center as well a lot of players
3: would use the the pool yeah well we, we um when we went um full time we needed um lots of facilities. So if you think about the old football clubs and even when we were in the football league we would go to some of the to the older football clubs and the medical room was as probably as long as a couch and slightly wider than a couch and that was what they would use when we went to Aston Villa for the FA Cup semi-final. The whole of the via suite was probably the size of the home Dressing rooms, medical department. So that gives you an idea of the, the the enormity of how it's changed. So the medical side, when I arrived, we decided that uh, I, I wanted to do some swimming sessions, some cardiovascular swimming sessions that would allow the players to keep fit when they were injured. So we went to the Wickham Sports Centre. And they were very kind to us and very, very extremely helpful. And they allowed us to use the diving pit. Um, And we could do little sessions in there where we'd have players treading water and heading a football back and then swapping over. And then we would do catching while they were treading water. So they didn't have to do anything too complicated. But by using a ball in all those processes, it kept their eye-to-hand coordination and eye-to-head coordination going. But it also was tremendously hard work cardiovascularly and it um and it kept them very fit so when they were ready when their injury was better they were able to go back and uh, play without too much of a problem we also had a, a fantastic cycle shop in Wickham that um we did a, a sponsorship deal with them and they very kindly provided five mountain bikes so some people would be driving their cars and might have seen some of the players going around and they used to ride out towards Stoke and Church and up through Chips Hill and round the back through Marlow and back down. And so they would have all those sorts of things that kept them really, really very, very fit.
0: It must have been fascinating for you as well in the different innovations in in physiotherapy and and techniques and and ways to work with players as well. That's how that sort of developed for you as well.
3: Well, that was happening towards the latter end, and um, and one of the one of the things that had always evolved in football is that there was a, suddenly a, a huge emphasis. And I can remember Laurie Sanchez doing his pro license, and one of the one of the things that um, came out of that pro license was that hamstring injuries were the longest and the most prolific injury that footballers could get, and. They asked all the managers on the pro license at the time, what were they doing to try and prevent those injuries happening, and so that's when the sports scientists started to move into the clubs, and they then became basically developing the fitness training programs and monitoring what was going on in training, and and it was it's, it it slowly slowly have evolved, and so I was kind of. In that process, I was doing a lot of my fitness work with the players. So rather than just doing physiotherapy, I was actually doing fitness work with the injured players to keep them fit and then giving them back to the managers. And then so um, I think it was Pete Corley was the first person that came into the club as really is under the title of, of um, fitness coach. And so he would then start to take them through different programs and specific running drills that would train the heart to work in different ways. And, um, you know, there was always a thing in football that players might think they might like to go out for a long plodding run. But to coin a Martin O'Neill expression, you know, they end up everywhere the ball's just been because they're a plodder and they don't run fast and have small breaks. And so that training changed to evolve and um, and incorporate much more different types of training than just running around playing football. And one of the
0: things that must be so rewarding in your role is that the, the influence and, and effect you're able to have on players. I saw a fantastic quote from Will Antwery You said that, you know, he wouldn't have had as much of a career if it wasn't for you.
3: Well, that's, that's, a, lovely, that's a lovely thing to hear. And um, he, he's a super, super man, Will, and it's just... Really, really sad that his career took so long to get going. Um, but it's kind of an interesting one because without going into too many details, he'd had a quite an innocuous injury quite a number of years earlier that hadn't really healed and been looked after as well as it could have been done. And so that consequently knocked on and caused all his problems f- further along the line. And really, it was just a matter of trying to unwind the problems to get him back to working and his body functioning normally, but what a what a what a fantastic footballer Will was when he played, and, he, and it was enjoyable working. But they all, all the footballers and the players that I've worked with, all bring something different to the changing room, and it's you know it's it's incredible. Sometimes you know I always remember the big centre half that went to Portsmouth and then went to Newcastle, Mike Williamson, and you know he really grew up, unfortunately, when he hurt his knee because he had to take responsibility for this problem he had and then make himself a footballer again. And it's sometimes not only is it a matter of trying to get them to be strong and get their knees better, but they've got to be mentally strong to go through the process of getting better. And um, people sometimes think that, an operation will make them better but unfortunately it's the rehabilitation process after that that's needed the surgeon does the operation and puts the bits that are in the wrong place back together again but that's had that joint has now had huge trauma applied to it and then it's a process of building yourself up and we don't realize sometimes how hard that is and it's a really really difficult journey both mentally and physically. And so players tend to sort of grow up in that period and to what turn into what I call real, real big men. To give you a, an example of the sort of quality of the determination and strength of some of the players that we had, the likes of your Keith Ryans, your Terry Evanses, your Matt Crossleys, and many, many more of the players that have been through Wickham Wanderers, I think... The story of Glyn Creaser, who, as many of you will remember, just as we were, got into the football league time, he was uh, involved in an accident at work where he was hit by a forklift truck. And fortunately, Creese came off slightly better than the forklift truck. But what happened was that he had fractured his heel bone. And this injury will leave many, many people with a limp for the rest of their lives. And so he was looked after magnificently up in um, close to where he lived. And a surgeon was looking after him in that uh, vicinity. And so we'd been working with uh, Glenn and we'd slowly built him up and we'd be monitoring his progress very, very carefully. And he finally went up for uh, an all clear appointment with the surgeon And at that appointment, he had told Glynn that um, he was back jogging. And so a few weeks later, this letter arrived from the surgeon and it was all typed as they officially are. And at the bottom, there's a very big bold ink signature. And underneath it said, what a remarkable recovery. What a remarkable man. And I think that just summarizes the types of people that worked and played for Wicker Wanderers,
0: because it's great to think about injuries that years ago might have perhaps even ended a player's career, but uh, now they can recover from much more quickly.
3: Yeah, and, and and you're right, and it's just, but it's 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 the equipment, it's what they do, and how they can rebuild tissue. We're led very much by evidence-based medicine, and um, the guys are experts in it. When we think about. Um, poor sean Devine when he had that problem with his knee we traveled all the way to Oswestry street to see a gentleman who um, an orthopedic specialist up there a chap called di Rees, who specialized in the problem that sean had so there's knee surgeons and then there was knee surgeons who specialized in particular areas and so we would travel all the way up to see diaries with sean because he was a specialist in the problem that sean had
0: And did you find that, obviously, I guess players would come to you with particular problems that obviously you'd come across before, but uh, that there, I'm sure, were were sort of less common types of injuries as well, that that perhaps perhaps more difficult to treat or more challenging to kind of get them back, if you like, from?
3: Well, I I think you're absolutely right. The one thing that I learnt in sport very, very quickly is you you always expect the unexpected. (laughs) And... um, you know, it's, it's the the ones that you don't really understand when the player falls in the back of the goal and um, you can't quite fathom out what they did and how they did it and why they did it. And so they were always the, the innocuous ones. And Paul Emblem's ankle, he, the poor chap, he just ran chasing a centre-half. And as the centre-half's heel came up, Paul Emblem's foot just landed on his heel and his ankle went in and out and in and out. And... um. He carried on playing for 15 minutes and then came to the bench and said, I don't know what's wrong with my ankle, but it's really sore. And unfortunately, he'd caused massive damage to his ankle in that uh, just that small little incident, which nobody really ever could see.
0: And it must be so nice for you as well when you're able to convert, if that's the right word, uh, people to to physiotherapy as well. I know it must be a fantastic um, story that, you know, Terry Evans with his injuries and he he got into physio himself as a a result of, I think, kind of recuperating from his problems.
3: Terry arrived at the football club and he had... um, two very very nasty knees and um martin o'neill just said to me keep him on the pitch david i don't know mind how you do it just keep him on the pitch so that's when we were using all the work and the techniques and tricks i'd learned from lily shawl of different bike exercises so that he could we could keep him as fit as we could just on an exercise bike so his knees weren't too irritated used to take him swimming and he was a great mentor to the other players and he loved the swimming so he enjoyed it and it was a bit of fun and a bit of banter but it was very very hard work and so we just we managed to keep Terry playing and I think Terry got another four or five years out of his knees before they finally sort of decided that they were getting a bit grumpy but it was a perfect transition for him to go into that profession to be honest with you he's a player he knows players minds he understands players it doesn't matter whether it's a football player or a rugby player he he understands their mentality and Terry has got the most amazing hands he is I still see Terry he looks after some of my students um, and they go down and um, they spend a year learning how to how to deal with injuries under Terry's guidance and but he's got amazing hands and he for such a big man he's he can feel very very carefully and very gently with those hands and so he understands the rigors and demands of the sport so no it's been it's been lovely it's a lovely success story and it's uh you know we we chat regularly probably once or twice a month we talk things through and uh so no it's, it's lovely to to see terry doing so well
0: and what's the transition like for yourself from from just being a physio to becoming uh, working more sort of the, the sports science as you say
3: well Steve Hayes asked me to come in and, and head up a sports medicine department. So it was more bringing in and bringing in the, f- the, the fitness components and making sure that the medical department was running as well as it could possibly do. And so it was a bit of a transition because I'd known, I knew the club and I, I understood what was needed. It was just a matter of trying to head that up and make sure that it, it ran as effectively as it possibly could. What's kind of interesting now is that um, I was having a conversation with um, somebody who works at the FA and he was telling me now what the blueprint is for every football club's academy and that's what we were doing then. And uh, so we've we've always felt that slightly ahead of the times all the time and ahead of the curve. And so we had um, people in who looked after the players' nutrition we had people coming in, looking after doing the podiatry, making sure their feet were in good conditions. We just basically tried to be very hostilic over looking after all the players aspects of the players uh, welfare to be honest you're listening to the wickham Wonder show here at
0: wickham sound fantastic to get the thoughts and memories of former physio david jones you do have to have some sympathy for a forklift truck which comes into contact with <laughs> with glenn Greaser and uh, both of whom uh, don't come off too well uh still to come we'll be finding out what kept uh david at the club for such a long time and what he's up to these days here at wickham sound this is Wickham Sound final part of the Wickham Wanderers show for this week. Still to come, a surprise sort of appearance from former Wickham Wanderers uh, player uh, Dion Dublin after appearing on this morning's mid-morning. We'll also be reflecting on a practice match which happened at Adams Park this afternoon uh, with uh, a number of first-team players, some trialists, and Ebbsfleet United, which was witnessed accidentally uh, by Luke from Drive Time, who took photos and everything, uh, which you'll uh, we'll realise will be appearing on our. Uh, on our on our branding, I suppose you call it. Meantime, though, we're catching up with uh, former Wickham Wanderers physio David Jones, who's at the club uh, for more than 20 years, uh, looking after a number of players that have been getting his thoughts and memories, including what kept him at the club for
3: such a long period of time. It was just a fantastic club. I cried my eyes out when I left. I decided it was time to move on. I, it was, I'd got to an age, my boys, were, my two sons um, were were growing up, And um, I felt that I needed just to be around home a little bit more. I also realized that it was time myself. I needed a new challenge. And so um, I decided it was time to go. I took a a job over at the University of Hertfordshire and a lecturing position. But, um, you know, Wickham is an interesting thing. You look at Alan Hutchinson. He loves the club and everybody loves the football club who's been there. There's not many people that don't like Wickham Wanderers Football Club having been there. They've realised that it's a very privileged position, and it's in the most amazing club. And you've got some of the most amazing people who work there as well. They seem to attract very, very high-quality, good people to the football club. And it's 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 a great testament to the football club. And it's, it's a family in many respects. And... I probably didn't quite realise just how big a family it was until my late wife became unwell, and the support, the support from the players and staff at the football club was absolutely amazing. And it, as it, you can hear, it makes <laughs> me a bit emotional just even thinking about of it. Of course, and, hey? it was, and, it, and when we we went, I turned up at the uh, uh, arrived at my wife's funeral. Just all I saw was people from the football club which was amazing
0: no that is lovely and uh, the, sort of the, the caliber of players that you worked with as well must have been made your work so enjoyable as well that and, and the characters of them as well
3: oh it was probably the biggest character in many respects right at the very beginning that sort of made my eyes open up was noel ashford and he was such a and a lovely character and a very very funny man and so you know he arrived and then there was all sorts of characters all the way along the line, and uh, it was lovely to to see them all. And Chuck at, uh under Martin O'Neill, and he used to entertain the players, and he was a real character. But all the players had character. They were every player was different, but they all had characters. But there were some very very funny people around at the football club during my time. Because that's something that seems to be
0: quite unique to football, isn't it? There aren't there aren't many sort of work work sort of situations where where you get that kind of camaraderie
3: no you're absolutely right and i think that but when you think about it in a realistic sort of sense and you go back to when you're working you know you'd be on a bus traveling up four hours up to manchester way you'd be sitting having dinner in manchester then you'd be playing the next day and then there'd be another four hours to come back home home for 24 hours and then you were back in all in together. And so you're really very, very closely compressed and you're also in a very stressful environment. So, you know, people have to learn to get on with each other and you are very, very close with a job, normal sort of uh, working job. You might go into work and you work for eight hours and then you go home again. But you don't necessarily spend, you know, days and days together in a week into such a high-pressurised environment.
0: And it must be tricky so, over such a long period, but are there any particular kind of highlights or occasions that especially stand out from your time at the club? Well, I imagine, obviously, the, the Wembley finals must be must be pretty up there.
3: I think the one of the big standout ones was the um, semi-final that got us through. Keith Scott had been injured for a few weeks before playing in the semi-final, and then this was for the first trophy, having sort of lost in the first leg of the semi-final or not did very well in the first leg managed to get big Keith Scott fit and Matt Crossley scored the two goals of the four that I think we scored that day that was tremendous and then going to Wembley I mean what a what a privilege just to go to Wembley and not only go to Wembley but to win and to win twice three times Then we went to Wembley and played in the five-a-side tournament, turned up, and the boys just decided that they weren't going to get beaten in it. And so we just went out and won the five-a-side tournament. So it's been extremely fortunate. FA Cup semi-final. You know, I suddenly was watching the television last no- a few weeks ago and suddenly that came up about the highlights and it was a game when we beat Wimbledon in that semi-final replay. I hadn't been a- around at the- for the game. i developed tonsillitis, so I'd been in bed most of the week. Couldn't get to the Saturday game, but returned back to work again on the Sunday, Monday, and uh, we played Wimbledon on the Tuesday night. I mean, what an occasion that was.
0: And it must be really nice for you to, as you say, just to kind of reflect on, on, on such a happy time at the club.
3: Oh, it's, it's I wouldn't swap it for the world and, and, and in a very sort of selfish way, it's been it's been a job of, of love. I've just loved every minute of it. There was never a day one of the things with the job is that you it nothing was ever mundane. You know, you never knew what you were going to face the next morning when you went into work. It might have rained, it might have snowed, it might have frozen, somebody might be unwell, something needed to be changed, something needed to be chased. It was the job was different every day, and everybody wanted to do well. So there was always great people around. And I mean, Jim Gardner, Jim Gardner, and I spent an awful lot of time together. And he's the most amazing gentleman. Great company, great, uh, a lovely person to have around. So, you know, you, we, we made it a lovely working environment for each other as well.
0: And you're enjoying the lecturing as well, because I imagine that's uh, pretty rewarding too, but in, in a slightly different way.
3: Yeah, I do. Um, I have to say that when I first went into academia, it was incredibly slow compared to working in football. And um, it was a very slow, very much like a football season started and finished. The academic year arrives. It's all exciting. And then it becomes a long, hard session. Come out at the other end with the final exams. Lovely and rewarding to see the students grow f- over the three years or four years that they're with us. So that's that's absolutely fantastic. And I also work in a, in a private physiotherapy clinic over in Oxford, the Bosworth Clinic. And um, I've known Gordon. He came when Adams Park had just been built and he ran some course, some first aid courses and basic treatment of injury courses for the FA there. Um, when Brian Lee was chairman and um, we've always kept in touch and so Gordon asked me to go and work at his clinic and so Gordon headed up the British Athletics for the Olympic Games in London so um, it's fantastic having that opportunity just to work with other people who've worked at such a high level and even higher level than I've worked at.
0: It's been fantastic to speak to you and really great to to share your memories thank you so much for your time.
3: It's a pleasure, and thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Really great to uh, catch up with David Jones and, as I say, to to share his his memories and and thoughts on a fantastic role over such a, a period at the club
1: yeah uh, absolutely lovely interview and once again, you can just hear actually what a fantastic club we we have and that we support, and aren't we lucky to have it uh you know j- just everything that David was saying about what a supportive place it is um and I thought what was really brilliant about it was it was just you know for, for clearly for such a long time, through so many different eras actually you know the, that it has been this this amazing club um and you know j- just really, really nice to to hear all of his stories.
0: And when you think the amount of managers that he's worked under as well, like Paul Lambert and John Gorman and Tony Adams and not in this order and, <laughs> and Laurie Sanchez and Mart O'Neill obviously and Alan Gain and, and Peter Sibley as well, there's, there's so many.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know that that was what really, really came across was very much. You know, he he's been in it for for very much the long haul, um, and you know has seen so many managers actually come and go, which again must just be absolutely fascinating to to sort of to see the different ways that they operate and that they work. Uh, but yeah, really, really good interview, um, and uh, very interesting to hear as well about the the different players, uh, in particular, Glyn Creaser and uh, you know the uh, forklift truck. Uh, which You've got
0: to have some sympathy for the forklift, haven't you? I
1: think. Yeah. You do, really, don't you? And also, you can just imagine it. You know when the players get injured, and these days they don't actually tell you very much about the injury. They just normally put it in brackets after the, the <laughs> player's name, And you can imagine sort of it saying, crease up, forklift, truck. Uh, you know, just fantastic. What a good story.
0: So, we're talking of uh, former mem- members of the, the club, you've... <laughs> You've been chatting to another form player today yes. to explain a bit about how this came about. Seriously, don't get too excited about this, because it doesn't <laughs> last very long. we built up um, to this too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. so so um, in our capacity as mid-morning presenters, because Colin and I, we don't only do the mid-morning show. Uh, sorry, we don't only do the weekend and show, we do the mid-morning show as well, Though we don't do the mid-morning show together. We, we present that separately. Uh, but anyway, we, we get offered all sorts of, of um, different guests uh, to come on the show. Um, and anyway, th- this this week, we got offered Dion Dublin. Um, um, uh, and I thought, oh, great, you know, that, that'll be really interesting. Maybe we can, you know, we can either speak to him about football or we can talk to him about homes under the hammer. Um, anyway, no, no, actually, they they were offering him. He was coming on to talk about fraud um, because he runs his own business um, and has had a few run-ins uh, where he has nearly been scammed. So that's why he was coming on. Um, but I did also speak to him about the fact that, actually, um, he did appear for the Chairboys a couple of
0: times. For <laughs> me, you stressed as well, we don't. Do the mid morning show together. We don't. We don't (laughs) do that. It's important. Don't think that we do, because we really don't.
1: Because I know that that we get quite a few comments from people saying, "Oh, you know, I I, I really love the you know the the humour uh, between you two and the, and the way that you work." That's together. not on mid morning, so that's not
0: what it's about. We don't do yeah, that.
1: So, but I I didn't want people to be tuning in then uh, mid mornings tomorrow <laughs> at ten a.m. You know, oh, great, Colin and Bob. They do they do a show every weekday between ten and one, and then be disappointed when it's just me. <laughs> oh, I won't be disappointed. <laughs> just want to make that clear. We don't do that yes, together. We don't <laughs> do that. No,
0: you know, maybe we should one
1: day. Maybe. Yeah, That'd see be it,
0: see how it goes. Here's yeah. Bob chatting to former Wickham Wanderers forward down Dublin.
1: Do you remember playing for for Wickham Wanderers back in in 1988 I believe it was?
3: Yes, I do. I think I was on loan from Cambridge and I think I played a few games on the enormous slope that you had on that beach <laughs> back in the day. <laughs>
1: that's that's exactly what I was going to say to you is you must have played at Lokes Park and so do you remember because everyone talks about Lokes Park and says about the the slope.
3: Yeah, because I remember actually. I don't know who the skipper was at the time, because I remember every time he, he, he won the toss, kick downhill, kick downhill. <laughs> let's get as many goals as possible. If the win was going that way as well, the poor team had no idea; we'd be about four up by half time.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, we, we should have never moved to Adams Park. You know, the, this season in the championship, we would we st- still be in the championship if we had that slope. <laughs> Probably, he
3: probably would be, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, good club, good club. Been a good club, been a woman club for years.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and, and fingers crossed, you know, with eight games to go, you never know. If anyone can pull it off, Gareth Ainsworth is, is the man.
3: Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. I think Gareth's just been, he just epitomises uh, Wickham, the place, Wickham, the football club, the way he goes about his business. He's a good coach, he's a good manager. And I just think he stayed true to
2: himself as well, which I think is brilliant.
0: Dan Dublin speaking to uh, Bob uh, earlier on this morning. And uh, if you'd like to hear more of uh, Dion's thoughts on fraud, uh, you can check, check out the Listen Again good. feature on was, the website. Yeah.
1: It, it was interesting uh, hearing Dion's thoughts about fraud. And, of course, he had so many again, clubs. I, I
0: love the way that he started off the interview. And you say, oh, do you remember playing for Wicked Waters? Oh, I think I can. And he was just yeah. like, sloping pitch. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right, you
1: know. Well, I mean, it was a long time ago now. So what was it, 30, 30 you know, 33 years ago. So so I can understand um, him having slight trouble remembering. But <laughs> I, th- I think he did. Um, and, you know in all seriousness really interesting because once again another person saying you know j- just praising the club saying how fantastic uh, we are um and you know and wh- what a great club and how well organized it is uh, and you know and again that was going back to 1988 so so you know re- really nice to speak to him and really interesting
0: no a real, a real kind of source of pride of everyone connected with the club uh, we better uh, reflect on a, on a practice match which happened this afternoon as well oh, against yes absolutely
1: Yes, absolutely. So we won 2-0 this afternoon against Ebsuite. Uh, Alex Samuel scoring and Scott Kashkett. Um Quite a lot of first team players involved. Uh, a few trialists as well. Um, Alex Patterson also playing um, most of the game. I think Scott Kashkett also played quite a lot of the game as well. Um, but yes, we, you know, we had the, uh, a, a good run out, I think. Um, interesting, though, that that actually it was most of the first team. Very much sort of, if you remember back um, before the season started, we were talking sort of about the, the B team and the fact that actually they would be playing games but unless they're doing that very secretly i haven't really noticed the b team playing many games no
0: and obviously anis who was you know intended for the b team he's been he's been sort of promoted fairly rapidly as well yeah, yeah, yes
1: absolutely yes the one main b team player uh, didn't last very long uh, before he got promoted up to the a team um and then then players like andre burley who are you know in the b team now, now actually getting international call ups
0: and trialist cb i can confirm that wasn't me that wasn't you no. okay um, I
1: will confess that, that I'm uh, sitting here at the moment um, half having half an eye on England against San Marino but <laughs> very much only half an eye um, and I've only just realised that actually England are playing in blue and San Marino are playing in white oh. and a few times I've nearly said to you goodness me, San Marino are playing really well and I've actually just realised that I've got the teams the wrong way round.
0: <laughs> that is confusing I think last night Belgium uh, were playing at home in their away kit and Wales had some sort of golden green sort of well, We've, we've got a very bizarre blue kit on
1: that i've never ever seen us wear before well, and, it's, and it's looks much new. more like you know and i i I was at the last england Sam marino game at wembley which we won 6-0 and it was the most boring 6-0 <laughs> i've ever seen and i'm fairly sure i'm almost certain that san marino were playing were wearing exactly the same kit that england have got on at the moment and whereas england i'm sure were in the all-whites that Sam marino are, are, are wearing it's, it's very confusing
0: <laughs> it's like the, the message if you're watching in black and white that we're playing in white yeah
1: yeah, definitely. It, it, it's it's sort of uh, a bit like I don't know England are, are catfishing and pretending to be San Marino tonight.
0: Oh yes, I've just seen the blue kit. It looks a bit like a bit like the Dutch sort of away kit almost. Yes, it does. Yeah, and it probably very expensive as well. If you want, want oh, to have a, yes. a replica yes. version of that. Yes, you
1: know, but uh, of course, all of the kids will be wanting it now, having seen England play San Marino in it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The different England away kits because i used to having them in red, of course. I suppose as an, as yeah, an away. Well,
1: tr- you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm very much a traditionalist with these things. Uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, and not so, a fan of know. San Marino, it appears. Um, you know, so, so no, I'm, you know, I, it's fine about San Marino. I do think that there should be some sort of European pre qualifying so that actually, you know, the San Marino's and the Lichtensteins, if if not for anything else, can actually then play competitive games against each other and and improve. Whereas I think the fact that San Marino, you know, and I know that's. Now being addressed through the Nations League, which I think is a really, really good idea. Um, but yeah, when it's you know England against San Marino, you do think, well, yeah, there is actually going to be one winner. Um, and and it's the fact that, actually, we always make quite hard work of these games these days. You know, I I remember the days of us beating, like, Luxembourg 9-0 and, and putting 8 past Turkey when Turkey really weren't a very good footballing nation. Um, whereas, you know, these days we'll, we'll struggle probably today and we'll probably still win 4-5 or 6-0. And afterwards, Gareth Southgate will come out and say, oh, there's no no easy games in international football anymore.
0: If you just tuned in, this is the international part of the international break <laughs> yes. on the Wicked Wanderers show. Oh, know, yeah. we've got to reflect what's going on in the football world. No, Absolutely.
1: Uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned incidentally um, is that Gareth is no longer uh, the favourite to take over as Preston North End manager uh, which is good news uh, Nicky Butt uh, you may well have read uh, in the papers and on the internet um, has left his coaching position at Manchester United um, for a new challenge uh, and it was partly thought that maybe he was going to join Wayne Rooney at Derby uh, however he is now the 3-1 to one on favourite to take over as Preston North End manager um, so that that's good news I think for, for all of us
0: uh, at Wigan Wanderers. Absolutely, especially heading into the, the latter part of the season which continues, of course. Uh, we've got uh, next week's show, we're building up to two games uh, on Good Friday at Easter Monday, of course.
1: Yes, it will be exciting, and I promise I won't go on too much about San Marino. It'd <laughs> be unusual if you did. there be a new weekly feature. <laughs> the San Marino feature with the on Dublin on Fraud.